0: Two of our deepest longings, to, to belong and to bring value, that we have this desire to, to be included and, and this desire to, to input, like, creativity and good things and things. And so we see this all throughout our life, that we have this desire to belong and to bring value. And so um, I, I saw this last, uh, this past year, my, my son was playing t-ball. And um, the the coach of his t ball team, his, his name was Eli. Just this very eccentric guy, this man that was full of life and joy, and and you know just this this great man. And so halfway through the season, he and I uh, had this conversation, and I'm just asking him like, so so what do you do? Like, and, and he tells me, well, I work for Nissan, and he said, I. I created this tool so people, when they're having issues with a Nissan vehicle, they can go online and they could submit, hey, I'm having this issue with, and, and he said, so what I did is I created a tool that would accurately diagnose um, what the problem was. So people would go online, you know, Logan's having an issue with his car, he, he types in and sends it in, and he created this tool that 100% foolproof diagnoses what the problem is. And so he takes this to Nissan, he's like, hey, I think I've created this this thing that could help you. And, and so they test it and they run it through and it worked. And so they look at him and they said, basically, hey, for the rest of your life, you have a job here. Like, you, you, we, we want you here. Like, you've, you've saved us so much. Like, you, you, you matter. We want you. You name your position. You name your office. Like, this, this, is, this is your place. And, and so it was, it's so neat just getting to, to be around this guy. And, and he just knows deep in his heart that, that he belongs. He, he knows that he's wanted. And, and, and he knows that he brings value. He knows that, that the things that he's contributed actually help the company, they actually help customers. And I go deep in, in each of us, we have this desire to belong. And not just to belong, but to, to bring value, to contribute. Each of us has this desire. And, and, and so you think about this. Think about moments in your life when you realize that you didn't belong. Now, I remember when I was in sixth grade and all of my friends got um, accepted, whatever, chosen for this smart club and I didn't get accepted to it, right? Think about those, those moments in life where, where you don't make the team, right? Where, where you're not good enough to be in the club or whatever it is, and, 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 and feel that. When, 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 you, when, you, when you don't belong, you know it, and you hate that feeling. Or you think about the other side of this. Maybe, maybe you belong, but, but you don't feel like you're contributing to anything, right? Have you, you ever been in a job or place of your company where you, like, no one would even notice if you're not there? And we have just this desire in us that we don't just want to belong. We want to bring value. We want to contribute. We want to make things better. And I love that Jesus knows this about us because he created us. And I believe that he speaks into this in John chapter 15. He says, he says I see this desire in you to belong. And I see this desire in you to, to bring value. And let me show you how those things come together. Now he looks at us and he says, you belong. Did you notice in this text that we just let this read that, that he says this line he says I don't call you servants I call you friends when you think about your relationship to Jesus do you do you realize that he's your friend like so, so think about your best friend in the world right and who, who is that person picture them what do they sound like it's your favorite thing to do is, is, uh, is that how you feel about Jesus? And, uh, and so today, we're going to really dig into this idea that, that Jesus looks at us and says, Austin, you're my friend. Like, Jesus says that to you. Michaela, you're my friend. He says this, as the Father has loved me, so I love you. I go, Christy, do you believe that? That the way that the Father loves Jesus, Jesus feels about you? I go, most of the time, I don't feel that way. Jesus looks at us, and he says, I choose you, Matthew. I choose you, Laura Brown. You know, the, the, you have these phases in life. Maybe it was you grew up as a kid. You were in the army. Your parents were in the army, and so you traveled all the time. And, and, and raise your hand if that was your experience, where, like, every few years, you're just traveling. Yeah, four of you. Great example, Brandon. I'll try a different one next time. So, maybe going to college is a better example, where, where, where you go and, and you realize that you don't have any friends, and think about those moments, the, the process of finding a friend, and just how hard that can be, right? So, I remember when I was a freshman, I moved to Nashville, I was going to school, and, and you're like sizing everybody up, not in a bad way, but you're just trying to figure out, like, are we compatible, right? And so, you, you, you meet somebody, and you quickly learn, like, we're not going to be friends, like, I cannot handle another political conversation. Like we can't be friends, right? Or or you meet somebody and you're like, oh, we have so much in common. And and and, and you know that moment where 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 you just realize like we're gonna be friends. Right? Like that, that, that you realize that that you have something in common and you enjoy being around this person. And 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 the thing about a friend, which is so beautiful, is that you get to pick your friends. You don't get to pick your family, right? Right, so this week you're going home to hang out with your family for Thanksgiving, and you don't get to pick them, right? But you pick your friends, and I think it's interesting. Jesus uses family language in Scripture, but, but in John 15, he uses this idea of friend. He says, I pick you. Like, it, it wasn't that, that this thing that happened, that, that you were born, and then we're just kind of stuck with you. No, he says, I, I pick you, Jacob. You're my friend. Adam, you're a friend of Jesus. He says, you belong. You're a friend of Jesus. And he doesn't just say that you're a friend. He says, you're going to bear fruit. And what he's talking about there is that, is that your life will actually serve to help other people move closer to God. And, and when you're a follower of Jesus, like I don't know all of your story, but I know, I know some of you guys here, you're, you're serious about following Jesus. You love Jesus. And, 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 and deep in us is this desire to, to contribute to the kingdom. None of us want to spend our whole lives coming to church, singing a few songs, listening to a sermon, and then not make a difference in anyone's life. Like I know that Kelly, what is in her heart is she wants to make a difference in the kingdom of God. That each of us, we, we want to be encar- a part of encouraging people in helping people c- come into life with God. Amen? Like that's, that is the desire that, that when, when Emily knows, when she gets to, to see and feel and be a part of helping someone, when, when someone says, hey, Laura, you, you help me in my journey. There's nothing better in this life. That each of us, we have this desire to, to, to belong. We have this desire to bear fruit. And Jesus speaks into both of those things in John 15. And he says, if you want to belong, Derek, if, if, if you want to bear fruit, here's the key. There's one key he says, remain in me. Remain in me. We've been in the series for the entire fall called Rooted, where we've been looking at each week at a different characteristic of Jesus, of of what it looks like for for us to to live and to, to mature as followers of Jesus in a culture that's that is turning more and more against the Jesus that we serve. And so we've been looking at Every week, man, what, what does it look like for us to take a step to look more like Jesus, to live life that, that pleases Jesus? And so this, this morning, we're wrapping up that series. We're wrapping up a rooted series. And, and, and I go, man, if, if, if you want to understand what it looks like to, to be rooted in God, if you want to live a life that is rooted, that's not constantly changing, and when, when culture changes and being shaped by the enemy, if you want to know what it looks like to, to be rooted in God, it's this idea of remaining in Jesus. That you remain in him. Maybe you have a friend that, that you see, you know, once or twice a year or every few years, and, and, and I hope that you have this friend, that, that you see them and you just kind of pick up right where you left off, right? Do you guys have one of those friends? Yes, no? Yes, Logan does. No one else does? Maybe you can get one of those. But, but we, we have these friends where, where, where you pick up right where you left off, and it's like, oh, no, time was lost. But, but you think about that's That's the exception right the majority of our friendships are not like that the, the the think about the two or three best friendships that you have what makes them special it's time together right you prioritize those relationships you you invest time and energy and money you go to dinner together you go on trips together it's the big moments in life, but it's also the little moments. It's calling them on the way home from work. It's sending them that text. It's, it's, the, it's the big and the small, but, 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 but what makes a relationship special and real is connection. You know the difference in a relationship that perishes and a relationship that persists? It's a mutual desire and commitment to connecting. Right, So all of you, you have friends from, from middle school or high school that they one time in your life, I'm going, man, Rich, who was your best friend in middle school? Are they still your best friend today? Right? Like, like, So often what happens is, is that you're, you're best friends with someone in a season of life. And then as, as life changes, you don't have the desire, you don't have the commitment on both ends. And so it falls apart. And connection is, is the thing that, that keeps us connected to each other. Connection is the, is the thing that, that makes a relationship what it is. And Jesus looks at us and he says, I'm in this thing for the long haul. He says, I'm choosing to remain in you. The question you have to decide is, will you choose to remain in me? And I want to talk about what I think Jesus is is, is talking about, what it looks like to to live a life remaining in Jesus. The first idea that I want us to explore this morning is, is prayer. I go, you want to know what it looks like to to have a relationship with Jesus? It starts in prayer. That's where friendship with God happens. If you're not a friend of God, let me ask you, how much time are you praying? Right? Think about your your best friend in the world, right? And and what makes it special is you spend time with them. You spend time talking to them. And I think this is what God is getting at, to to remain in Jesus, is, is that we talk to him. It's this idea that, that, that we, we let God in on the personal stuff. And so uh, I think many of us, we, we go through this life and we don't really give God our hearts. Right? We, we feel like our prayers have to be like um, uh, censored. We, we won't come to God and say, God, I'm angry with you. God, I'm frustrated that this isn't happening. So what happens is that that we come to God and we give God half our heart. Think about a relationship that you have where you you only tell half truths. What kind of relationship is that? It's a terrible one. Right, that's our culture. We want authenticity. We want vulnerability. And that's what he's inviting us into, into this personal relationship with God through prayer. Prayer is this place of, where we let God in the personal stuff. God, this is what's going on in my heart. You know this anyway. It's a place of petition. Prayer is a, is a place where, where we come to God with the things that are too big for us to carry. Prayer is a place that we praise God. I was reading over my journal yesterday, and, and, and one of the lines that I wrote early this year was that there's always a reason for thanksgiving. always a reason to praise God. As as hard as life might be and as many things are are going against you, there is something that is going on in your life that that is praiseworthy. And prayer is this place where friendship with God is formed. I go, if you want to be a friend with God, pray. It's where intimacy comes. But it's not just about prayer. Remaining in Jesus is about prayer, but it's also about what takes precedence in your life. Jesus says this in verse 14. I don't think we like this. I don't like this. Maybe you do like it. He says, you're my friends no matter what. Look at verse 14. What does it say? He says, you're my friends no matter what you do, no matter what you think, no matter what you feel. What does he say in verse 14? You're my friends what? If you do what I command. Do you like that? condition that Jesus puts on friendship? Any of you guys get excited about that? Now here's what Jesus is not doing. He's not saying, I'll be your friend if you do this. What what Jesus is saying is, is, I am your friend. He says, I chose you. Like, Jake, you're a follower of Jesus, not because you tried so hard, but because Jesus chose you. Think about that. He says, I chose you. You are my friend. He says, everything that I've learned from the Father, I've I've made known to you. He says, you're my friend. I'm your friend. But this is what he says. If you want to be my friend, obey my commands. He says, if you want to be my friend, obey my commands. Do we like that? Do we like that, that condition that Jesus puts on it? If you want to be my friend, o- obey my commands. You know, in a, in a relationship, when my wife and I first started dating. We had the DTR, right? We had to determine, like, are we, are we both going to be in this thing? Like, are, 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 are you in? Are you going to keep dating other people? Are, are, are we just, like, is it going to be you and me exclusive? And it was this moment where we sit down and we said, hey, I'm in this for you. And you're in this room, we're not going to date other people, like we're going to be exclusive. And, and, and what the Lord was reminding me of is that he's not looking for people to share his heart with. And he's not going to force you into this relationship. He's not forcing you to take a step in. And one of the things that you discover is that when you step into life with God, his commands are actually for our good. That his commands aren't to control us or to suppress us. His commands invite us into, into deeper places of intimacy with God. So think about this with me. Some of the commands in Scripture. Jesus says, hey, pray for your enemies. Let's just think about that one command for a second. He doesn't say, annihilate your enemies and hate your enemies. He says, pray for your enemies. Now, why does Jesus say that? Because he knows when, when we harbor anger, and hatred in our hearts, it kills us. And so what happens when when, when someone wrongs you, when, when when you find yourself being opposed to someone, when they're opposed to you, he says, pray for them. He says, don't talk to everyone else about them, right? That's what our culture does. Someone hurts you, and then you get on social media, or you call your friends, and, 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 and we act like there's something, that that's okay. And God says, hey, when someone's your enemy, come to me with it. And don't just vent to me about all the things that they've done wrong. He says, pray for them. Pray for your enemies. Pray blessings on your enemies. What happens in in our heart when we obey this command? We find freedom. We don't harbor bitterness and judgment and hatred and anger. We go, man, we actually want their good because we understand that when we were far from God, Christ was praying for us. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Matthew doesn't know what he's doing. Forgive him. That's what he does for us. Or think about this when, when he tells us another command in Scripture don't worry. How many of you are already worrying about Thanksgiving this week? He says, don't worry. He says, bring all of your worries to me in prayer. Last weekend, I I woke up on Saturday night, just in the middle of the night, and, and I was just worrying. Worrying about work, worrying about life, worrying about my kids. Just found myself worrying and worrying and worrying. And I felt like the Spirit was just saying to me, you don't have to carry this. Like the, the things that you're worrying about, you know, your kids and, and ministry and, and, and family and marriage and all these things, it, unless you just want to quit ministry and quit being a husband and a father, those things are still going to be on your shoulders, but you don't have to carry the weight. Let me carry the weight from the top. And he was showing me that, that when I worry, what happens is that I lose joy, I lose peace. I'm not fun to be around. <laughs> My wife will amen that if she was here. And so his commands, man, they they lead us to life. He says, if you want to remain in me, keep my commands. If you want to be in this friendship, keep my commands. His commands are for our good. And so he says this. He says, love one another. Verse 12. My command is this. Love each other. So I've loved you. I go, how do we do that? What does it look like for us to love each other? I saw an amazing example of this last Sunday, Abby. I wouldn't make Abby raise her hand, but I think it would embarrass her. And house church leader here. And got here early, and there was a woman that was sitting by herself on the second row. And, and Abby gets up. Abby's sitting two or three rows back. She gets up. She picks up her purse and her jacket. And she walks up, and she sits right down by this girl. And it's like, how is that loving other people? Well, let me tell you. So often we come into this place, right, especially if you don't know anybody. And the thing that you want more than anything is just for someone to come say hi to you, right? You might not say that. You might be an introvert, and you kind of like, no, I actually don't want anyone to say hi to me. But, like, but deep down, and what I love about Abby is that she was sitting by herself, too. And instead of waiting for someone else to come and sit by her and greet her, she's like, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the thing for someone else that I want someone else to do for me. And when you start thinking like that, Man, to, to love one another. Or, or I think about in, in, in house churches that I've been a part of where, where people, man, they, they really let down the guards and they let you in on the things that are really going on in their lives. We can shoot the breeze for a long time, right? And we can talk about the surface level things. But, but when the door swings open and you go, hey, this is actually what's going on in my life and in my marriage. And, and this is what the, the, the things that are going on in my heart. And, and what happens in that place is that, is that love comes in. And that you, you find yourself rallying around people. I remember being a part of a house church where someone let us in on some things that were going on in her life and, and, and she didn't feel distance and isolation. She felt this love. How do we love each other? We, we, we pray for each other. I'd encourage you to, if you to meet someone today, to meet a few people today if you don't know someone and just get a, like a little note card and put it on the dash of your car and on the way to work, just pray for them pray for me. This is is how we we love each other. Jesus says, if you want to remain in me, my commands have to take precedence in your life. And so what this looks like for us so often is is that we will read the scripture and we'll read things that are, are fun and easy and things that build us up. Encourage one another. We're like, yes, Jesus. We're all over that one. And then he'll say, hey, pray for your enemies. And we're like, you know what? I don't like that one. And he says, if you want real relationship with me, obey my commands. And so, remaining in Jesus is about prayer. It's about talking to God. It's about enjoying God. It's about what takes precedence in your life. And I think the, the third idea of, of what it looks like to remain in Jesus is to embrace the pruning that comes. You know, Jesus says this in verse two. He says. He cuts off every branch of me that bears no fruit. while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. And I don't know if you're a Christian or not, but I read this often, and I'm like, man, has he cut me off? Like, I'm not seeing any fruit in my life. Am I just that branch that's been, like, laying dead? And have you ever thought that? You ever read this passage and wondered, like, am I the, the dead branch because I'm not seeing fruit in my life? And he says, no, the, the Father prunes us. I don't know if you've ever seen a tree that has been pruned and so uh, last year our neighbor he moved into the house that he lives in in 1984 and he planted these two oak trees right in front of his house. And and so one of the trees was was dying and you wouldn't know it if you if you just looked at the trunk of the tree, right? It looked the exact same, but you start looking up and you realize that there're no leaves growing, all the branches are 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 falling off and they're breaking and 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 so what he did is he hired this um I don't know what it's called, Tree Cutting Down Company. That's probably the official term for it. And, and so they, they come in, and, and, and my son sits in front of the window and watches as they completely cut down this tree. And he's loving it. He's loving every minute of it. He's trying to FaceTime me. You know, he's just, just enjoying this. And, and then the tree right beside it, they don't cut the tree down. They cut it back. And honestly, the tree was really ugly after they got done, like, pruning it. Like, the the, leaf, the the branches look terrible. There are no leaves on it. It's like, man, did you actually destroy that tree? Like, do you know what you're doing? And, and the process of pruning feels like that sometimes. Um, and, and I want us to talk just for a few minutes about what it feels like when God prunes us. So that you're not caught off guard when these things come into your life. And and, and so you you know that you're not being cut off from God, but you're being pruned. And so sometimes it feels like something's being taken away from you and it's completely out of your control. Sometimes pruning feels like a, a relationship that just ends. Sometimes it feels like separation from a family member or maybe even death. Sometimes pruning feels like the, the, the dream that was in your heart, the, the job or the business or the other desire that was in your heart not coming to fruition. And sometimes pruning feels like things are just happening to you and you have no control over it. If you've ever been in one of these seasons where, where something's being taken from you, it never feels good. And most of us, we, we kick and scream the whole way through, right? And we don't see the holistic picture. And God looks at us and says, hey, when, whenever pruning comes, whenever you're not seeing things in your life working out the way that you want, whenever you see things that, that, that seem to not be bearing fruit and seem, things to, be seen, uh, to seem to be taken away, he looks at us and he says, the Father prunes everything so that your life will be even more fruitful. God sees things holistically, and I go, I wonder if the hard season, the hell that you're going through right now, the pruning, is because God is trying to prepare you for the next season ahead, that he knows that your life can't carry the fruit that he wants to produce through your life, unless he cuts away some things in your life. And we have that perspective. When we, when we have a biblical understanding of, of, of God and we go, man, God, we're not going to complain when things aren't going our way, when things seem to be taken away from us, when, 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 when everything seems to be getting cut out of our hands and we don't want it. We're not going to complain because we trust that you're the great pruner. And instead of complaining and moaning through the season, we go, God, this season is hard, but we trust you. I trust, God, that you're going to bear fruit through me that you never could had I not gone through this season. And sometimes pruning feels like God taking things out of our hands that are out of our control. And sometimes pruning feels like God taking things out of our hands that are under our control. And these don't typically feel good either. It's when the Lord starts to convict you about the way you and your girlfriend are messing around. Or the things that you're, you're looking at when, when no one else is home. And the Lord starts going after your sexual purity. And the Lord says, hey, I want you to, to honor me with your sexuality. I want you to keep the marriage bed pure. I, want, I, I don't want you acting outside of that covenant. So it means if you're not married, quit messing around. And, and, and God starts looking at us. He starts coming at us. And, and he says, I want you to honor me with your purity. And it never feels good in the moment when when God starts pruning that aspect of our lives. The gratification, the instant gratification, is not there. Or the way that you view and use your money. When God starts coming to you and says, hey, I want you to be generous, I want you to be sacrificial, it never feels good in the moment. (laughs) It means that you're eating out less and not taking all the trips that you want to go on and and buying new clothes when when you start to to, to give what you've been given for the good of others. It it feels like pruning. It's like, why are you taking this away from me? But God looks at us, and he desires for us to be disciples that actually bear fruit. And so God knows that there are things that need to be cut out of our lives that only can be trusted in his hand. And he says, if you want to belong, if you want to bear fruit, you got to remain. And the way that you remain is through prayer. It's through letting the scriptures, my commands, take precedence in your life. And it's through embracing the pruning. Last fall, um, we came out one morning. And the year before that, so two falls ago, we had planted this chrysanthemum. And they're perennials. I think that word means that they come back every year. And and so we, we planted it, and um, and then it just died, and it looked terrible. And I'm like, we should just dig that thing up. And Courtney's like, no, we need to leave it there. It'll come back next year. And I'm like, really? Like, okay. And, and so I, I remember coming outside one day, and this chrysanthemum was just bright yellow. Like, it had just, like, bloomed overnight. And I did nothing but just leave it in the ground. And my encouragement to you is, is that if your life, if you're not seeing fruit right now, if you don't feel like God's working through you to, to bear fruit, to help other people move closer to God, remain in Jesus. Like when, when life is hard and, and, and you don't feel connected to, to God or to God's people or to, to the mission that God has put before us, man, don't, don't just hit the eject button. Remain. Remain in God. When you don't feel like praying, get on your knees and pray. Man, when you have the choice to to do what you want and and it's in direct conflict with the things that God wants, man, let his word take precedence in your life. Embrace the pruning that that comes in your life and what happens is that you will find yourself being a true friend to Jesus. That you will stand face to face him one day and he will look you in the eyes and say, Brandon, you are my friend. More, you're my friend. Remain. So here's what I want us to do. Tim, do you have a slide? Is there a slide back there? Okay, that's my bad. There is a slide. I didn't tell you where it was. Um, This morning, I want us to to get in groups for a few minutes and just to share a couple of questions. This is the first question. Do you feel like you're a friend of Jesus right now? Why, why not? So do you feel like you're a friend of Jesus? And then is is your life, are are you bearing fruit right now? Or are you being pruned? Or do you feel distant from God or something else? So here's what I want us to do. I want us to take a few minutes and and to circle up our chairs with the people around us. If you feel comfortable doing this, that that, that this is so much of of how this word goes from just from our, our heads into our hearts where we process this, and so I I invite you into some real vulnerability right now to to share. Do you feel like you're a friend of Jesus right now, and are you bearing fruit? Are you being pruned? Are you feel distant from God or something else? Let's take a few minutes. We'll discuss those questions, and then I'll get back up and send us to community. So let's do that right now. Hey, thank you guys for, for taking some time to share and process. Of course, you can keep doing that if you want as well. But I want to I send us to communion right now. We do this each week. We take a piece of bread, drink a cup of juice. We do this to remember the, the broken body and the sh- blood that was shed for us on the cross of Calvary where Jesus died for our sins. And so we, we take this as an act of remembrance and of, of gratitude to God and all that he's done. And so uh, feel free to get up and take communion whenever Dale and Moy are going to lead us in, in some more worship. So I'll pray for us, send us to communion, and then uh, keep talking, keep processing this worship. So God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the way that you're moving. Keep moving, God. Keep moving in our conversations and our hearts. I uh, pray you would fix our eyes on you, Jesus, to know that, that we are loved by you because of what you've done for us, and you're proof of that. And So, God, thank you. Um, have your way in this place. God, keep moving. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.